Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of UCR's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hey, Dr. Parks. Second-year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hi, Dr. Parks. And second-year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Joshua Poole. Hi, Joshua. How you doing, Dr. Parks? <laughs> your, your, your highs, your hellos, your greetings, your welcomes are getting lower and lower. More sultry. I guess. Hey, okay. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent UCR, UCR Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, on today's shelter-in-place quarantine episode, we're going to talk about is there a connection between having a positive attitude or perhaps a positive personality traits and your health? Uh, if, if some of you uh, watch CNN, you, Chris Cuomo is an anchor on CNN, and he contracted COVID-19. And he was being interviewed periodically, and he said that the key to defeating COVID-19 was will. That COVID-19 wants you to uh, be weak and stay in bed, and what you have to do is you have to be uh, it's not, like defiant and get up and walk around. And it kind of got me thinking, is there a connection between uh, having a positive attitude and being healthier? Uh, before we get, though, uh, to that, I want to always ask you, is there anything that people want to get off their chest? Have people noticed any kind of interesting findings, um, any cool research that came out recently? I have something. I, I, there was a study on <laughs> cognitive changes that come as I, I always do. Yes, I. I always have interesting findings. Uh, they there was they they looked at cognitive changes after retirement. Now I'm not close to retirement, but I've, I've certainly thought about it. But I'm I'm not one that that is waiting for it. I love working, but um, they found out that the, the people that had difficulty with um, had had more cognitive decline were the people that had goal disengagement. So they didn't have a lot of you know, clear driving goals. And also, especially women, women that didn't have, uh, that had goal disengagement, or didn't have clear driving goals. And there's a lot of speculation about why that might be the case. Does anyone have any thoughts about why it was women that seemed to decline cognitively when, uh, after retirement? And not men. <laughs> I mean, well, the research is speculated. I mean, it's possible that um, maybe they, they had fewer hobbies. It did seem a little bit like that, that they had uh, fewer hobbies that they were dying to get to. Um, that seems like the opposite of what I'd anticipate. That you feel like women have more hobbies? Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like they... I agree with Joshua. It's the opposite of what I thought. They'd probably transition better, whereas like men, I guess, historically is my, my perception that they've been sort of career goal focused at least you know 50 60 years ago if you don't have that i wonder what they, they that, do that but maybe their that's identity and then right yeah it, when... it, it was it, it was i did kind of think of that before reading this study that maybe men because you take away their work and maybe they would be more susceptible to cognitive decline there was a little bit of greater incidence of depression for the women so maybe that was a part of it there was a little bit more negative attitudes about retirement for women they weren't really hmm. inviting it as much as 
perhaps maybe the men were. It's interesting. Okay, so let's get down to our uh, the topic of the show, which is does a positive attitude. So I, I, has anyone heard any research on this? Does anyone have any speculation about um, does thinking positively help you? Do you feel like yeah, your I found some yeah, stuff. You think so? Okay, like what? Um, maybe it's the same stuff I found. <laughs> maybe I I found so, um I found stuff that was talking about optimism and health, and how um there was a study of men with HIV and then among asymptomatic men who had HIV, optimism slowed the onset of AIDS over an 18-month follow-up. Um, oh, wow. It also predicted, optimism also predicted in a different study, better pulmonary function <clears throat> among older men and women. I'm sorry, among older men. Um, optimism also predicted lower levels of pain among older women and men um what else did i find? it's just different stuff like that um lower likelihood of stroke um yeah i, I, I saw I a little saw bit that. of that too yeah that as far as optimism yeah and this is from circulation a journal called circulation 2009 that yeah there was less uh, uh chronic heart disease um when you're optimistic less mortality rates and people with cynical hostility, you see, you'll see that a lot in this literature, cynical mm -hmm. hostility uh, mm -hmm. just had a higher mortality and also more cancer-related mortality. So that kind of, have you, has anyone thought like, yeah, maybe if you have like a lot of negative affect, you have negative emotions, you kind of a lot of things um, uh, you, you are kind of negative disposition that maybe you might be more susceptible to cancer. I've thought about that before. I didn't so, think yeah, this one. I didn't think specifically about cancer, but I did find certain personality traits related to health, so optimism, resilient, conscientious, all usually have all overall either better health outcomes or quality of life, even if you're ill. Um, and I did get in a study with this is a little from 2008 on uh, current opinion psychiatry. There was a study what they speculated, I'm not sure what's the research now, but two possible mechanisms of how that affects, you know, being more optimistic um, might affect uh, just your, your health overall. And the, they talk about two pathways, the biological one and then the behavioral one. The biological talk about if you're more stressed, you probably have higher levels of cortisol and other stress hormones. And it induces that inflammatory chronic process. And this is linked to those cytokines like interleukin-8, which is a cytokine. A cytokine is just a small protein that either some of your cells of your immune system or the places release or signal in order for something to happen, like boost your immune system or the other way. So they found the association with interleukin-8. And then in terms of just behavioral, maybe by having that support system also, and the positive thinking you're engaging in healthier behaviors and actually adhere to that healthy whether if it's exercise eating smoking cessation and all the things okay so that's it does seem like there's a clear link there yes i don't have uh, more of the newer data i wish i had it but it, it does seem to uh a lot of things i was reading the stress a lot of like if you have certain personality you might be more worried more anxious you're Stress hormones are high, and then maybe your immune system overall is it's unhealthy. 
I, you know, I, I looked into actually, can you be in, is, does it increase your chance of infection? Like getting infected, does your attitude um, affect that? And I did find, um, this was a, um, in 2015 from Psychological Science, that um, people that had high amounts of interpersonal stress, low social support, um, and, and fewer, don't laugh, fewer hugs, Okay. Mm. <laughs> that okay. they that that there was um it was there, there's a greater possibility a probability of becoming infected from viral exposure. That it that is very interesting. You'd think so, hugs you, <laughs> you'd get more viruses. Yeah, and you it was interesting. It, right, right, right. I mean, so that kind of kind of says something about you know because I you know I've I haven't been able to visit my parents. I talked to them over the phone, but I haven't really hugged them or anything or. Um, so that it, it, I guess they're suffering some like negative effects of not just, you know, just human contact with people they love. Um, I'm going to encourage them to hug each other <laughs> to get, get a little bit of that. <laughs> but I think, I, but I think that there could, there can be something that you can say about, um, you know, when they did this study, they found that even on the days when you didn't get hugs, that that uh, that those were almost as important, or maybe a little bit more so, because you were you were just had this perception that you were loved and cared for, and that kind of thing. So that's that's very interesting. So this was your topic idea, Doctor Parks. Why were you interested in this topic now? Mm. Well, I mean, I just uh, I've always kind of thought about it. I've, I've, it, it like you know, because one of the big fears is like cancer. Well, that, first of all, I always have that. That's one of your big fears. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's big. I think about it. I think about, huh? I wonder if I have cancer. <laughs> huh. Because I, you, this is what I think. I think that you know a lot of doctors get cancer. A lot of pe- a lot of um, scientists get cancer that are um, you know in the biological sciences. So it just kind of sneaks up on you. There's no like general test you can do. You just you know you just get um, basically cancer kills you. And so, uh, um, but what can you? Is there anything that you can do lifestyle wise? Um, you know, and there was even, there was a, um, a study that, um, um, showed that, um, um, social support, emotional support was even more powerful than exercise, which, you know, kind of blew me away. Really? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, now it's very important to know about what type of emotional support, but I'm going to answer your question, Tosha. Yes. I, I think, you know, what is going on as far as like, um, you know, um, is is a part of my lifestyle, or if I if I have too much anxiety, is that something that's making more susceptible to to viruses or to infection or getting a cold or getting the flu or getting cancer? Yeah, I do think about. It. Are you are you are you saying that no one out no, there, I, you you all don't so have I any was, fears I, or thoughts about cancer? I was thinking like your explanation about your thoughts on cancer seemed a little weird to me, <laughs> but thinking about it, I think what I I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you you are such an athletic person like very cardio fit because you bike everywhere that you're not so worried about heart disease and uh, no i'm not worried about that at all yeah metabolic syndrome those types of things taking you out so then the one like one of the major things that could take you out is cancer regardless of how much you exercise and things like that is that why that's although exercise will help with that but yeah that's that's like the the killer that's going to get you somehow because there's some sort of genetic maybe um a predisposition to getting that or there's some toxin yeah. i don't know if you all saw that there there was a um a report by the american lung association about uh most polluted cities and areas did you see, did y'all see that 
Number one was San Bernardino County. Number two was um, Riverside County, I believe. And number yeah. three was L.A. County. No kidding. That's that's pretty depressing. Fresno, where I'm from, is pretty bad, too. I believe it. I that's believe it. Right. Yeah, you know, when you go to um, like some places, you know, like in India and China, they have uh, you, they're wearing masks to to kind of uh, offset the the impact of a smog that absolutely causes a higher level of cancer in the area. Oh, have you guys seen those pictures lately coming out where with everyone sheltering in place, like mm-hmm. smog in certain countries is like at an Over all-time Wuhan. low? It's just like an all you can see it's perfectly oh clear. Yeah, it's LA is just like beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even here I heard that uh, the air quality has improved tremendously because yeah. there's just not much traffic. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what it's done. It's it, and also the uh, interesting. Did you hear this? That birds are chirping way more now. Oh my god! I feel like I can <laughs> I've tell. subjectively noticed that. Yes, I'm waking up so early. <laughs> right. I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I noticed it before, but this. You're right. We're drifting far afield. Okay. From okay. from our field. Rain it in. Um, but yeah, I mean, um. You know, in 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 talking about um, you know stress, um, I, I it is important to get uh, social support, but it's also very important to have a certain type of social support. Yes, okay. there as I mentioned, hugs is important, but um, you know before they would break it down in received social support or perceived social support. So if you just kind of talk to folks okay, and yeah. kind of say, you know, hey, I'm with you, I'm there for you and all this other stuff. So they were hoping that, you know, maybe doctors and nurses can do a lot of it. I'm not saying it's not good to do it, but they did find in a study that um, I looked at, they did find that a lot of times that wasn't very helpful. This is in social personality psychology um, in 2012, that it really needed to come from friends and family. That you just can't kind of just turn it on, and then just and then just hope that this person's going to um, have a great recovery. Yeah. That so that sense. that kind of implies that um, you know really like things like family therapy or just or just regular just therapy to improve your social skills to be able to kind of foster that yourself or maybe to encourage that from family members. That's what's needed. Thoughts thoughts about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the, in this particular stage, by the way, that um, social relationships, the power of social relationships was equivalent uh, to counteracting 15 cigarettes a day. Just, okay, so this is not impact. People are not very surprised. <laughs> I'm noticing uh, my Zoom feed is telling me that this is really not very interesting. <laughs> Well, I, has, is it, do, you, do you feel like this is important? Do you feel like, don't tell me that you don't get sick and you don't think, okay, so, um, you know, I'm wondering if I'm feeling kind of down, you know, I'm more susceptible. It's affecting my immune system. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think there's always, especially in this field of psychiatry, psychology, we do feel that there's a connection. It should be a connection between the mind, you know, and, and the body and the way things react, right? Um, and... As I was saying before, probably stress, high cortisol levels, and other things influence to put your immune system maybe, you know, lower to the point where you might be more susceptible to anything from viral infections or cancer. I think from one of the things in terms of cancer that I read is that if for people who 
our survivors is not only if you have a positive thinking, you also might be more engaged with with all the things that might like healthy eating habits, exercising, etc., which might help you to go through the cancer treatment, which is you know it could be very devastating all the things. And in in terms of prevention, I'm not completely sure what. So the can I can I can like. I just interrupt you right there? So you're saying that just having a positive attitude in and of itself is not the thing. It's having a positive attitude that's going to lead to you to exercise more. Um, feel more apt and have more energy to you know eat healthy and meet people and be more extroverted and talk more and that kind of thing. I think it's a combination. It's having the positive attitude that leads to do all the things and also having that support system, emotional system too. Because you can have a support system, right? Like having people that you can talk to, but also it, the level of integration to those groups, the level of involvement in deeper communication to that people, is that emotional support that you know you can rely when you're there. And, and bounce ideas and when you're down they can you know cheer you up things like that so things it's likely a combination and i i actually have from the california recovery fund the cancer recovery foundation sorry that they they survey the people who are, who are survivors from different kind of cancers i believe and they in general survivors believe you know in the true mind body connection like i was saying and they poll people right they survey people so Eight out of ten survivors do believe that having that self-help kind of effort, it somehow is responsible for their successful recovery from cancer. Then seven out of ten people also believe that having that emotion, emotional and and also psychological factors, you know, in shape, kind of contribute to their you know um, recovery. And eight out of ten as well, they also said that these factors just play a major role in the function of their immune system. This is more like, you know, what uh, they survey the people and that's what they believe, the people who recover. This is just what they believe, but who knows if that's actually true. Right. But having maybe that in terms of the positive attitude, right? So at Creighton, we, um, my medical school, Creighton, it's a Jesuit medical school and Jesuit university. And so they talk about the mind, body, spirit connection. Um, and I, I really like that perspective. I think that, you know, why not address those other needs besides just the, um, medicinal, strictly scientific aspect? Um, like why not? It doesn't hurt as long as it's not like taking the place of, um, medications that have like science proven efficacy and safety yeah if you're just joining us uh we're you're listening to let's get psyched on kucr and we're talking about the link between having a positive attitude or is there a link between having a positive attitude or positive personality traits and your health chris cuomo uh anchor on cnn said the key to beating the virus is will that what you need to do is that you need to the virus is telling you to to, to be weak and stay in bed and what you need to do is get up and move around and that that was the key to beating the virus and I, it just got me thinking is there any truth to that and what does the research say about that and so Tosha you were saying um, before that break is that it, it what, what could it hurt it'll, it'll kind of uh, um, it'd be palliative or they'll kind of like uh, it'll get people in a positive mood it's always better for people to be in a positive mood to enhance the quality of life even if they're mm-hmm. Might not be anything to it scientifically. I mean, at least it could just reduce your suffering. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. 
but I think, and you know, I think that there's there's something to be said about, um, you know, if someone is is in this positive mood, then you're right. They'll probably do things more likely. They'll probably uh, be willing to engage in treatment that you or suggestions. Have you noticed yeah. that? Did you feel like um, that does kind of uh, in, enhance people's um, kind of cooperation with um, going along with try, or trying new things, yeah. tr- trying think, new treatments? I think when I am actively addressing um, the mind and spirit, you know, in my treatment plan and in my interviews, I think the my patients pick up on that and they're they are more receptive to what I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, even if it would, if it was having a positive intervention or positive impact to, you know, to what, even if it was something based on something completely false, I don't think I would do any kind of correction. You know, if if, if I believed it, absolutely, it wasn't, it wasn't a religious based thing, but it was something about like having a lucky charm or something that's going to help me beat the virus. I wouldn't say anything. I would just say, oh, okay, that, that sounds really good. Yeah. I hope, hope so. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Parks, I was looking into positive psychology for this episode. Um, do you know, did you study a lot of positive psychology? Because I know it's one of the newer fields, I guess, in psychology. Yeah, I mean, um, so positive psychology has to do with um, enhancing, you know, positive emotions instead of feeling like you're going to reduce negative emotions like anxiety or depression. So you want to enhance things, you know, happiness, sure, but things like appreciation or gratitude or um, uh, helping people learn how to savor uh, in positive experiences or extend mm-hmm. them, extend positive experiences or how to engage in um, recounting positive memories to bring on, you know, enhance, enhance your mood and bring on positive emotions. Also uh, encapsulates the idea of, of resilience, you know, being able to handle tough times and things like that. And... I've, you know, I've noticed that it's kind of interesting that you brought it up. I mean, when when you're talking about positive psychology, it's one of those things that it's hard to disagree with. Like if you have someone that, I don't know, doc, I don't know about this therapy business. I've had a lot of, uh, I've lived a lot of years and I don't really believe it works. And then if you talk about positive psychology, about things that, um, you know, might enhance their mood or things that they, because you, you know, in positive psychology, you engage them in identifying what these activities are, or what these interventions are, then it's, they're not going to be disagreeable with it. They're definitely going to be more on board with some of these things. It's going to be less threatening. And like, if you How were to say, I-, I see your anxiety or I see your depression, or I see you have an anger problem, you can get a, a strong reaction back. So you're saying it's pretty agreeable with patients. Like it goes over well when you sell it to patients. What about other psychologists? Like did psychologists really get on board with it right away or did it take time for like the movement to to gain traction? Because I, what I was reading was that um, the president of the American Psychological Association really like pushed it forward into a more mainstream study when he – Uh, made it like the theme of the annual conference in 1998 and he was talking about how there needs to be a shift in focusing so much on mental illness towards mental well-being yeah which was good because there's been there have been a lot of research leading up to that but then yeah after you're talking about martin seligman yeah who wrote a book about you know the optimistic child and he really Mm. pushed that um but yeah so yeah that did give it a real push 
he kind of challenged, he threw the gauntlet down. He kind of challenged a lot of psychologists and researchers in psychology to step it up and to really focus on what can we do to enhance positive emotions instead of always thinking about what's wrong with the person. Yeah. Because so a lot of the diagnosis. just generally like on board with this or are people like this is woo woo? I'm going to be really honest. Yeah. That after that happened, I did not notice much change with my colleagues. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, right. Okay. This is the thing. This is what I think. I think that there, after he said that, positive psychology uh, studies started increasing a lot. Okay. Now then, so there was a lag effect. There was, after that had uh, uh, happened, a lot of folks started studying these things. And then when it, with the, you started uh, getting the results, that's when you saw a little bit of change. But I have to say that most folks, most, most of my colleagues don't uh, put positive psychology um, as one like of on their, their resume, like not I'm their key ones. Psychology. No, because well, well, do you think there's a stigma? Like if you saw, uh, do you feel like, uh, well, my 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 pr primary means of intervention is positive psychology? Would you be like, huh? Would you be kind of skeptical of that, or would you think, no, that's great. I want to see you. I want to pay for your services. I mean, then if I you, feel someone like... said, I'm an expert in treating depression and anxiety, which one do you think that you would go to? See, I would say like in the um, public opinion, you know, when therapists are made fun of, sometimes it's like, you know, this is woo woo. It's all about like positive, having a positive attitude and what's that going to do, you know? So you think it's a little bit uh, hippy dippy. It's a little new agey. Well, no, I'm not saying I think that, but I think that there's um, like people, like the general public have a large portion of the general pu public think that way about therapy in general. I wonder, yeah, I mean, that might be something to kind of, uh, maybe we should have a future show on this, on uh, what people's idea of therapy is. Because uh, I, yeah, before, I just want to kind of just ask you that question, just go around the room and ask that question, the proverbial Zoom room, is before you got into this field, what was your honest opinion of therapy? What happens? How useful is it? Would it be something you do? And so my opinion Tosha. was formed, uh, was informed by my father's opinion, and my dad is a surgeon, and um, he would say that people practice psychiatry or psychology because they have a problem themselves and they're trying to find a solution. <laughs> I to hate problem. your dad. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Did he really say that? Yeah, he's yeah, one of yeah. our like steadiest listeners, so we we shouldn't alienate our, <laughs> he's our biggest fan. <laughs> he's our biggest fan. I take that back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. No, I I have heard that before. Out. I have heard that before. How much do you believe yeah. that on a scale of zero to hundred? How much do you believe? I that? mean, I grew up thinking that, and then um, you know, the more I learned about it, then the more I disagreed with him. I, what I think now is just that I think I've said this before on the show that. I think that our, our myself, our my colleagues, I think that we're just a little bit more okay with the idea that people have problems and that we ourselves maybe have problems. Mm. Okay. All right. Who 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 wants to go next? Edgar, Joshua. I don't I don't think I really have a set idea as a kid. It was just one of those things that you don't do, you know. I don't need it. Uh, my family, I don't need it. And therefore I just didn't think you know either very negative or positive about it but then 
I going through the difficulties of you know college pre med. I I actually probably used therapy in college at some point, and since then it's just like I realize of the impact that can have on you, and that just going back to reframing things, positive thinking, optimism, and all the things. So I that's what it's been since college. You know what I think is one of the biggest things that Martin Seligman did the, um, when he's talked about positive psychology is that he talked about optimal functioning too. It brought that about. That therapy is not just uh, like a treatment for a disease or disease process, right. disease of the mind. This is about optimal functioning also. Like seeking I, the was, good life, right? That's what I was reading, yeah. the good life. And his own definition for that was using your signature strengths every day to produce authentic happiness and abundant gratification. I mean, that sounds awesome. It does. That sounds awesome. I wish my psychologist had said that. My therapist had said that. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this. Give me your five-step plan right now. I'm ready. No, I, I, I definitely think that that is a big part of it, that you know, op- being, being able to reach your potential. I'll say. But, mm-hmm. So Joshua, what, what was your idea of therapy and getting therapeutic treatments before you got into the, the biz? You know, it's uh, it's weird. I think we had kind of a, a push-pull relationship with it. So when my family, when my parents got divorced when I was much younger, like seven years old, we did, you know, family therapy surrounding that. And then I had a particularly hard time adjusting to that. So I kind of How old were you like, again? I was about seven. Oh, whoa, that's young. Yeah, and weirdly, my sister was five. Did you have to be dragged to the therapy room? You didn't want to go? Not necessarily, no. No. Um, I ended up seeing a couple different therapists over the years because it just kind of wanted to have somebody to talk to over the time. My sister was five when it happened, and weirdly, she, she, I think, was maybe had a little bit more resilience, or maybe it, it affected her at a time that was less impactful perhaps, because she, she handled it really, really well. Um, but so it was kind of this thing where I thought I associated it with pathology. But um, as I got older, it became clearer that it was, it's more like, you know, when you go to a doctor for a checkup every year, you're not going because something's necessarily wrong. You're going to maintain health. Therapy is a lot of that same kind of thing. We are going to protect your mental health or maintain it. Um, so... I don't know. I had a I had a negative view of it until I got to psychiatry, and I was like, "Oh, why is everybody? Why is everybody not doing this? This is like a yeah. total wellspring of of good stuff." That represents my view. Yeah, that it, that basically um, most people should do it. Um, I felt I, you know I I I feel that it's such a positive thing, and that um, it's almost like um, something that you could you could educate folks as you mm-hmm. as you you know when when folks come into the um, UCR counseling center when students come in and they don't have uh, um, any intensely pressing really serious concern those are some of the most enjoyable sessions mm-hmm. of all that, that that you can just really explore a lot of different things. I really I'm not saying I don't enjoy the other folks, but I'm saying that they, those can be just very enjoyable sessions where you're just willing to just look for your optimal functioning. And that will do it for us here on Let's Get Psyched on tonight's show. That We talked about the link between your emotions, your positive attitude perhaps, on making you more susceptible to virus infection and different health concerns like heart disease and cancer. 
Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi, Dr. Edgar Ortega, and Dr. Joshua Poole. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us on getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can also listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. Special thanks to our producer, Elliot Vaughn. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.